Welcome to episode six of My Town. Uh, last week we heard from Tony, Tony Birmingham and Steve Barber and Susan Sweeney about love being compassionate. And tonight we're looking at love being responsive. And I have two ladies with me from Hendersonville Church Christ family, Mabel Jordan and Jenny Slaughter. And they're going to be talking with me about uh, how Hendersonville is responsive, both internally and externally. So, Mabel, welcome to my town. Thank you. Good to see you all. Uh, I get to work with the ladies' Bible class that meets on Tuesday mornings. Uh, we usually meet through September through May. And we get to uh, have fellowship. We get to have study. And right now, Stan Wilson is our wonderful teacher, and we'll be in the fall, Lord willing. And we also get to serve our internal church family through service and our sharing our love. So just look forward to telling you about it, more about it. Excellent. And Jenny, how about you? Um, so I, um, along with a lot of other women, have uh, been in charge of our heartfelt groups at church, which are small group Bible studies that are divided um, by, well, not by age group, really they're, they're uh, intergenerational uh, Bible study groups. So we try to make sure that we're including everyone, um, all of our adult women, and um, it's been a great success. This year we were taking a break, which turned out pretty good, I guess, <laughs> with everything that's happened. Um, and we've been doing a uh, Zoom Bible study every other week um, about James. Uh, but I think the reason that Stan wanted me to talk is, uh, one of the things that we did last year was a big service day where we, uh, did a lot of outreach with a couple of, um, well, one in particular nonprofit, um, domestic violence shelter, um, and a couple other things. So I'm just here to talk about that and promote many other things that I feel like our church does an excellent job at, um, as far as reaching out to the community. Super. I'm looking forward to it. Let's uh, pray and let's get right into the text. What do you say? Father, uh, thank you for this time to gather on the screen here with my two Christian sisters and the anticipation that uh, I and those who are watching have for the conversation that's getting ready to take place. We welcome you as always into the conversation and um, look forward to how you might guide our thoughts and the discussion as we contemplate what it means uh, for love to be responsive, both from the Hendersonville Church of Christ and, and just your children, uh, us, in the town that we live in and we, and we work in, and how we can be uh, more shining examples of ambassadors for, for Jesus and the light and the salt to those that live around us, uh, showing them an alternative to the way the world works. Uh, we ask for your blessing now on this conversation, and we thank you most importantly for the gift of Jesus, and all of this we pray through his name. Amen. So our text, you know, the very familiar story of the Good Samaritan, right? Almost, almost everybody knows the story that's spent any time uh, around, whether it be VBS or, or um, growing up in the church or uh, maybe just popping in for for sermons that uh, are on the, the, the popular texts, most people know the story. So we're not going to read the whole story. We're just going to look at two verses that kind of connect last week's lesson on love being compassionate and tonight's lesson on love being responsive. And that's Luke 10, 
verse 33 and 34, and I'm reading from the New English Translation. And it says, but a Samaritan who was traveling came to where the injured man was, and when he saw him, he felt compassion for him. He went up to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring olive oil and wine on them, and then he put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And so, Mabel, I, when I read that, I think about this, the, a little bit of the strangeness of, you know, we don't carry oil and wine with us. And if someone was injured, we probably wouldn't think about pouring oil and wine on them. As a matter of fact, we might end up on the news if there was this weird person stopped and poured oil and wine on somebody and then and then put them in their car and took them somewhere. Right. Right. But I think just like all of Scripture, this is not written directly to us, but it's written for us. And so what might be some oil and wine that comes to your mind? Well, I think that especially in the experience I've had working with the uh, the ladies and the gentlemen that we get to interact with there, that uh, we have resources. Each one of us has gift, have gifts that we can do. Uh, and the Bible tells us that, that we, we are responsible for doing using our talents. And so if we've got money, that's one way we can do it. If we have time, if we just have compassion and we want to help somebody, uh, you can mop a floor in love. You can empty trash in love if that's what's needed for that person at that time. And I think that's we've had opportunities to serve others and still do through the Hendersonville Church family. Well, I'm hoping my wife is listening because I, I know that if I mop a floor or empty the trash, it's only in love because it's not something. I know, I know it is, Dan, knowing you. <laughs> she called you out. <laughs> but I, I do I do think it's interesting to think about, um, to your point, you know, some things we do in love that we don't, we don't really probably get up that morning and decide we want to do. And I think that's probably evident in this story as well. The Samaritan... Yeah. I guess he was equipped per your, per your point about the talents that we have, right? Yeah. So he had his oil yeah. and his wine with him, but mm -hmm. he probably didn't get up thinking he was going to use it necessarily. Right? No, no. And, and, you know, I, I imagine Jenny has some band-aids in her, <laughs> in her purse yeah. most of the time. And, you know, we, we come uh, and, and we don't know the customs that they had. He may have had a, a useful purpose on his journey for that oil and wine and, and maybe his own, you know, if he got hurt himself, he might have that. So mm -hmm. you know, we just, what we have in our hands, that's all we're, we're asked to do. That's all. And if it's a cup of water, if it's oil and wine, that's mm -hmm. it. So can you expound a little bit beyond the, uh, the trash and the sweeping? <laughs> sure. Uh, I love the verse, and I, I would think that each one of us would like to know that the Lord could say of us, as he said of the woman who anointed his feet, she had done what she could. And that's in Mark, Mark 14, 8. So whatever we can do, if we do it with love and we do it with sincerity of our heart. And in our case, we get to do some things together. Mm -hmm. And that makes it nice that we have our own fellowship piece in our, in our service. And we get to love on each other as well as love on, on our members. Uh, I think of uh, several things that our ladies have been involved in and are still involved in carrying cards. Susan Sweeney does a marvelous job uh, coordinating this 
everything is prepared for us. Everything is provided for us. All we have to do is our words, our minds, and our pens. And uh, we can go in. And men and women can do this. We've had some wonderful uh, husbands that have come in and, and helped sort the mail or whatever. Last month alone, there were 550 cards that we can account for wow. that went out. Uh, so the U.S. Post Office is, is being sponsored by our, our work with carrying <laughs> cards for a lot. But we meet once a month, and that's usually the last Tuesday of the month. And we do this year round, even though our class is not meeting for a study. We do do this. Uh, but again, we do this and we do this together. Uh, we've learned to do it from home. And since we can't be together, we have even shut ins that we take packets to of cards and lists that they can send to from their home. And I think that's a wonderful way of including people that can't physically you know, be with us. They mentally want to help. And I think that's a wonderful way we can keep them going. Caring Cards goes out to all of the members that we have, that we know about in the church uh, realm system that are 40 and above. They get a birthday card, at least one, and sometimes more than that. So uh, they get a birthday card on their birthday. We have happy occasions that we celebrate new babies. We celebrate weddings, baptisms. We make sure that uh, we send holiday cards to our shut-ins, to our missionaries. There's always encouragement that we can do for those that are sick, those that are bereaved, uh, those are missionaries. Uh, I know Susan has those international stamps that we use that uh, wow. get those in the mail to them. Uh, we had recently, we did our, Frontline friends and each one of the people that we knew about that were either in our families or, or people that we knew from our, our church family. I try to send a note to them and let them know that they were being prayed for. So I think that, you know, we can be creative and we have been creative during this time to know that. So that's uh -huh. that's caring cards. Now, Frontline, you're you're talking about uh, the people that are right there on the, at the front of the COVID-19 and the pandemic. Uh, yes, we called them our Frontline friends, and we had a prayer list for them, too. And it was the first responders. It was the medical staff. And these were like we were praying and, and sending cards to – if I had an address for them, they got a, got a card. Uh, family members even out on the, on the West Coast and even in New York City. So there are things that we, you know, we decided we would reach out, but these were, they had some kind of tie with Hendersonville Church. Yeah, and you made me think, uh, some people don't like to write that much. Um, some people think that if they get a little note card, they have to write some long hallmark equivalent of something, right? Um, no. And we know that's not the case. We know that a lot of times people just want to see anything that they were thought of and, and whatever you say is most likely fine. But I did think the other day, I, I picked up one of the little Hendersonville cards that has the logo on the front and it's blank. Yeah. And I got ready to write it to, to Nan Beatty because mm -hmm. uh, uh, she had a death in her immediate family. And I thought, you know what? I'll just call her. And so I put the note card down and called her, and that reminded me, uh, you've also got a, a caring calling ministry going we on, do. right? We do, and you're a part yeah. of that. Thank you, Stan. And that, again, we have in, included men and women on this, and uh, Kathy Castle coordinated this and organizes it, and every week the list, list rotates, so you're not calling the same four or five people, and you just call them, you're asked to call them once a week, and check on them. Uh, we have been able to find out needs this way. People won't necessarily call 
the church office and say, I need, but we have found that in this course of these conversations that they will tell us, I need somebody to pick up something or I've got this, this you know, whatever. So uh, that, that's been a real resourceful thing to have. And uh, especially in time of need, we, we, and our, our separation, when so many of our older folks are isolated and are not having that contact. And so if you've got eight different people calling you over a two months period, you've got some contact. And I think that's wonderful that mm-hmm. they don't feel uh, isolated so much. So, so Jenny, it sounds like Mabel's describing how this uh, love is responsive is coming through our family members that, uh, you know, we're blessed to have as, as, as extended family here at, in Hendersonville. But it sounds like even the calling and the, and the frontline people that she mentioned, it's really getting beyond the walls of, of our quote unquote congregation, right? We're looking for uh, a responsive uh, action to people that don't necessarily have to go here or belong here. Um, so that makes me think about some things you have been involved in that most definitely go even outside the walls further, right? Can you, can you tell us about some of that? Yeah, for sure. And Mabel, I didn't know about that calling thing. That's so cool. Oh, I had not heard of that. I, that was my awesome. dream. That was a, it was the lady's dream. So I we're just Wonderful. Because I've personally gotten the cards, you know, um, but I didn't <laughs> do the calling. So I just got to yeah. tell you, that's cool. Um, yeah. So the thing that um, that uh, I think, Stan, you wanted me to talk about the most was uh, Morningstar, which is a uh, domestic violence shelter. Um, and I can't really say where it is. It's close. Um, but um, we got in touch with them. Sorry, text. <laughs> we got in touch with them um, through actually, I think Tim Buley, who is on the Agape board, hmm. and Agape now is working with this Morning Star, and so he talked to Owen, my husband, um, about us getting involved, and um, I believe Owen and Justin and uh, Troy Bishop did most of the work. Went down there and like redid these homes for them, put in new walls and floors and all sorts of awesome things. So that's kind of where I got the connection with them. And then I contacted them when we were planning our service project about what they needed. And they said food was important. Um, having, you know, hot meals for them. So this was last summer, this was pre COVID stuff. Um, so uh, we had, I can't remember how many women get together that one night and, uh, Dana Brim headed all of this up. Um, she did, she planned all the food. She went all, did all the shopping. Um, our church paid for it. Um, and then she had a small group of women help her make the food. We froze it. And then Megan Groves um, headed up putting together welcome baskets when the women that come with their children um, that were full of necessities and just fun little happy things. You know, when um, they show up, we know they're going through a really hard time. And so she just thought it'd be great for us to be able to give them a basket of, you know, start over stuff, basically. Um, so, uh, we had one group assembling that, and then my mom, um, helped head up a group of women who made mastectomy pillows. Um, and I think we made maybe 40 of those. And I think mom and I have handed out maybe all of them, which is awesome. Um, um, and you know, that was because of me and all my cancer journey and stuff. Um, but, uh, Megan Groves and I did take the food down to Morningstar and that was a very eye opening experience for me. You know, it's one thing to, to do service. Um, but when you see it firsthand like that and you see how the women react and how grateful they were and how desperate they were for interaction and stuff, um, it was really powerful, um, and very convicting for sure. 
Um, so I have to I have to give lots of props to Megan and Dana and mom because they were a big part of that as well. And Tim and Owen and Troy and everybody who's been a big part of helping Morningstar. But um, beyond that, I, I feel like our church does. I hope it's okay if I keep going on this, Stan. Did you want to ask me another question? Okay. Um, there are like four or five things that I feel like our church is kind of known for in our community. Um, and when I was in, a, in our old house, we were in like a neighborhood Facebook page, you know, and uh, I noticed our church's name being brought up and I was like, what is going on? And they were talking about the medical uh, ministry hmm. that Ann Lancaster does. And I don't know of a lot of churches that do stuff like that. Um, and Owen, I think, has been filling in for Ann while she's during this COVID stuff because she doesn't need to be out interacting with people. But um, the stories he's come home and told me about uh, the people coming and how grateful they are that we have those uh, medical supplies and that we're giving them out for free. I mean, I've had a friend of mine, um, her mom came in town and she uh, had some disabilities and, and needed some stuff. and was like, hey, I heard your church does this. I've had multiple friends, actually. There's another one is a physical therapist who was like, hey, I heard your church is doing this. Can you help me out? Um, so that is awesome. I mean, with people who that's what we're known by, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it's, so it's funny. You mentioned the medical ministry, my brother-in-law had one of those little put your knee on mm -hmm. the cart and push yourself around while, while his heel was healing from heel surgery. Mm -hmm. And uh, those things are not inexpensive. No. And he got finished with his physical therapy and everything and, and kind of said, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with this four-wheeled little little cart thing. And I said, well, if you're not going to do anything with it, would you consider donating it to Hendersonville Church of Christ to the medical ministry? And I explained to him what the concept is. You know, th these are things that are expensive that people use for a limited period of time. And then a lot of times they end up in your basement or the garage or, you know, in the attic or something like that. And other people have to keep buying them when they've had injuries. And it's, it's almost a recycling type thing that Ann's yeah. doing where, you know, Danny's little cart came in and then somebody else who had heel surgery or ankle surgery or something that needed the same thing, there was one available. And, you know, he was funny. He was like, I didn't use the brakes much and there were not even any scratches on it. So it was, it was practically brand new. It'd been used for like right. you know, three months or whatever. And, um, that's a that's really been something that people have sought out. They've come as far away as other states because there's nothing like that going on. So while you were saying that and that flashed back in my in my mind about my brother-in-law, I was thinking, you know, what kicked off this whole story, this whole parable is someone asking, okay, so who's my neighbor? And while you were describing that, I kind of wondered if you could give us a a little bit of a of a high altitude view of, you know, there's, there's not, I haven't heard either one of you say, well, these are the people that qualify to get a calling, caring call or, a, or a caring card, or these are the people that qualify uh, to get a mastectomy pillow or to, to have just whatever we provide for people um, who are going through a hard time, as you said, Jenny. And it, 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 it makes me think that if we could do anything tonight to help people understand that all of this is taking place without some sort of overarching requirement of the receiver, uh, just like in this story, this man, we guess, is probably unconscious. Um, I'm thinking he probably is the way the story's uh, told. And where we're not talking about unconscious people, we're not talking about saying, now, I'll do this for you. I'll call you or I'll send you a card or I'll help you with a medical ministry, a piece of equipment. If there's no, if there's just, this mm -hmm. is what, 
this is what love does, right? Right. Yep. Absolutely. I think, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure when they hand out that equipment, they ask you to bring it back, but there's no like deposit that you have to put down, you know, like we're like, if you, you need it for however long you need it, you know, you take it. Um, and, and the same for the pillows. I mean, I had a lot of people be like, okay, well I'll get it back to you. And I'm like, no, you just give it to somebody else. You know, I don't, I don't need that. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. That's a great point. And you know, there's a ton of stuff that I think if people are looking for ways to get involved with outside the community, I know prison ministry is another thing that Kathy's involved in my mom, Sylvia Kaiser, and then Jeff Castle and uh, Kevin Walker. I, I know there's a lot of guys who are involved in that. I mean, that's another thing I feel like we're known for. Um, and you know, that's listed in the Bible is visiting the prison for sure. You know, Jesus tells us to do that. So, um, I know people, they would love to have more people involved in that. Um, room and then I know Steve Barber talked about that, you know, last week. So, uh, check him out. That that's another awesome thing that we're known for Christian Manor. You know, that's a huge, I mean, people don't think we have so many things on our campus going on that bring in the community. Um, Christian men are, they, you know, they're in need of stuff all the time. Um, and I know that all the men that are on our board and women, you know, all of them could help you. Owen's on that. Kevin's on that. Wanda Graham, uh, Paul Slate. I can't name them all. There's a ton of them that if you know any of those people and you want to help and, and the residents, I'm sure that go to church here could tell you, Hey, letters, you know, the cards are excellent for them. Food. I know there were several people who were doing shopping for them during all this COVID stuff, which they may end up having to do again. And the other thing, this is my last thing, Sam, because I always got to plug my day school. But uh, people don't realize how many people from the community are on our campus every single day when school is in session. And honestly, I don't know exact numbers. I should have looked them up. But we have like maybe 30% of our day school is members and the rest is community. Now, they may have a church home. Some of them do but a lot of them don't. And, um, I think that is such a great opportunity for us to be. And I know Dennis Robertson comes in a lot cause his grandkids are there and reads, but man, I know that Jamie Christie and I would love to have more volunteers to come in and help our teachers get to know our parents, get to know people and just bless them. And, uh, Mabel, you guys, uh, did a, uh, luncheon for us this past year, which was awesome. Uh, still, we still talk about that. Like that was so great. Our teachers got, we would have loved to have nothing for you. I know we were all really bummed about that. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so that's my, that's my last plug. But, um, and, and I also want to say that I think there are great big things that we can get involved in our church, but there are also, um, you know, every single day, if you pray and ask God to open your eyes to people who need you, and you're willing to be, to sacrifice a little bit of your time, of your day, of your money, um, God will put people in your life that you can help. Um, and I think that it doesn't have to be big things. It doesn't have to be make you know, I didn't even have to make, make a meal is a small thing, but even like what we did for Morningstar, that was a pretty big thing. That was a big organized deal. But um, I know when everything happened with coronavirus, I just, and I feel bad about this because it was always, always during lessons, lessons or sermons on Sunday morning. But I, people would come to mind. I'd be like, I need to write them a card. I need to make them a meal. I need to check on them this week. Um, and I think if we are open to it and we're asking God for those opportunities, he'll put them right in our lap. So, so a quick question you made me think of, uh, Jenny. 
we, we said that we don't require anything from, from the neighbor, right? We don't say, well, we'll do this if, and, and we, we talk through that. How do, how have people who, like you said, may not have a church home, they definitely don't worship with us at Hendersonville. Do they ever ask you why you do these things or why we corporately do these things? And, and what are the, what are the answers? Um, yeah, I definitely think that people are shocked when we don't ask for things back or we're just doing things out of the goodness of our heart or, you know, whatever they they don't understand it because it's counterculture. Um, I mean, I think the answer is always Jesus that we're just trying to be like him, you know, that we're doing, we're trying to do, uh, what he wants for us and, and, and that we love him, you know, that we're called to love people. And when you love people, you act, you do. Yeah, the text that came to mind was uh, Jesus saying, love one another as I have loved you. And I think I think that is a great way for the gospel message to get out there, that there's a way people act differently. There's a way people love differently, and it, and it doesn't equate to the world. Like, you know, one plus one doesn't equal two because we don't ask them for anything. We're not saying, okay, well, we did this for you. You've got to place membership. We're not saying you've mm. got to be here on Sundays from now on. We're just mm-hmm. saying we love you the way Jesus loves us. So Mabel, is that is that applicable to uh, to carrying cards and calling cards and 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 love offerings and the things you were it, talking about? Yes, yes, Dan. And when I think about the the food that uh, Doug and Norma and, and Kathleen uh, fix mm-hmm. once a month for us to take when we when we can go to make to go meals, hot to go meals for us to take. And there's so many people that volunteer to take that. And again, that's men and women from our uh, that are associated with our class. And uh, the they don't we know we don't expect anything back from these people. And it's the love that you have for those people. They can see it. They can feel it. And with the meal, they can taste it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you talked you mentioned the love offering. Um, Yes, more than once I have been able, and let me explain that this once a month we, while we're meeting, we do take a love offering. I ask for people to tell me who in the congregation might be benefit from our love offering. A lot of times I have to deliver it. Uh, I know who I'm giving it to, but the class will have, they will, it will be anonymous to them because they, these people don't need to share their needs. And, uh, but I know uh, twice I've been able to bless people that needed medical help. We paid for cataract surgery, the copay that we needed to pay. We paid the copay for someone who needed to have radiation. And I know that person that we gave that money to, that was a unique situation and I'd love to spend 20 minutes to share that, but it was, I knew about it, uh, just slyly I knew about it. And I had the money in my pocket because if we don't have a specific need that month, I do share it with the the committee at church that does take care of our members. And I had it to give to to Todd then that day. And this woman let me know that she was going to be starting her radiation treatment and she did not have what the insurance required her to pay up front. Stan and Jenny, I had that money in my pocket that covered the whole amount plus four dollars. Wow. that close wow. she wanted to start she had needed to start the next day and she was gonna have to cancel her plans if she didn't have that money wow. talk about touching mm-hmm. we sat there and cried mm-hmm. 
because and and the gentleman that I gave the money to for his cataract surgery, I still remember weeping with him because he had had he had been able to raise enough money to get one eye done, but then the other I needed to be done too. So that's kind of things that we do, and it's groceries we buy for somebody who's working two jobs and trying to make ends meet and support her family because her husband is sick. We got you know school supplies, school clothes. Um, so many, many wonderful things that we have been able to do with our time, with our money, and most importantly, with our love. Mm. So, I, and, and again, we don't expect anything in return. Not no stipulation at all to to uh, you know our gifts. Well, I thank you both. You're both uh, fantastic representatives of the kingdom, and it's just so exciting to listen to your stories. And I'm sure we've only really, you know, kind of gotten an inch deep in all the stuff that uh, we've talked about. And by no means have we exhausted everything that Hendersonville Church of Christ has going on. It's a big family here, you know, over a thousand people, and there's probably things that uh, we would have covered if if we thought of them, or even if maybe we even knew about them. But uh, I sure do love hearing the the testimonies and the stories and and at this time during this pandemic anybody that we can reach out to that that does pause and say why would these people be doing this um i think is monumental for the kingdom and for the gospel and allows people's hearts to be opened to a different way of loving and when we think about what we've been talking about tonight love is responsive you two have just put out excellent examples of how we try to respond. And um, I look forward to more of those and more ways that we will respond in the future as more things become available. Obviously, you know, Jenny, you're talking about shopping for groceries and things. Those are responsive things we're doing because of the virus that we wouldn't have done. I mean, we would have shopped for people's groceries, but we wouldn't have nearly the number of people who need Mm -hmm. groceries or prescriptions shopped for because they're in the, they're in the highest risk category and they don't need to be getting out. So uh, mm-hmm. I think love is responsive. Love is also redapt, uh, adaptively responsive, depending mm-hmm. on what's going on. So mm-hmm. I thank you both for that. And next week we will be looking at love being costly because everything we've talked about uh, tonight doesn't happen for free, whether it's time or it's money. Um, and that doesn't mean we don't do it. So we look forward to having you join us next week for Love is Costly. And I thank Mabel Jordan and Jenny Slaughter for being with me tonight. And everybody have a blessed rest of your week.